25 years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Vampire the Requiem. Hey folks, welcome back to Requiem. And I know it's a, I know it's a big shock that I'm uh, talking about a book today, uh, Coteries. It's going to be a be a shock because this book is not particularly long. It's only about 100 and what, what 125 uh, so pages. But, but before I get to that, let me bring on the two people who've been helping me through Requiem, uh, talking about it, making it worthwhile. And of course, say I'm accompanied by Chris. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And of course, Brennan. Hey, everyone. Now, I know this book is uh, extra special when it came out, but I need to I need to tell you why. When this Coteries book came out. It was from the W20 side I heard about it. V20 side, I should say, you know, before V20, but, you know, old school mm-hmm. vampire. Um, when this book came along, it was uh, filling a gap. There was a lot of talk about Coteries and, and like, LARP games and tabletop games. And, uh, you know, like, the book will tell you a Coteries, a group of characters that get together, sit down, play a game, whatever, go at it. No depth. There was no how they saw it or what they wanted it to be. And sort of paved the way for a Wax Poetica book. A book about hyperbole, right? A book about something that you know is at its basics and understand it, but then they could define further and they could extrapolate and romanticize. And that's what this Coteries book is uh, for Requiem in all ways that, that I read. W- would you guys agree? Uh, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I would. So uh, we'll give you the basic uh, basic template then. A typical Coterie is any group of friends who decide they're going to play a game. And out of that group, someone decides to be a storyteller. And the players there are a Coterie. They're supposed to be there together something to do something mm-hmm. and that's that however that's how everybody takes it out of the old school books right or even any game right there's assumptions made the assumption is you're going to get along the assumption is is that you're going to have same goals and work towards those goals the assumption 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 mm-hmm. however nothing defined it's strange that in the gamer community until it's written about in a book it's not canon have you noticed that yeah yeah i have yep i have a lot and it, and it baffles me because most people get into arguments because it's like, um, my favorite story is the story of vampiric origins. No argument is ever bigger than when you tell someone, uh, there's no proof we come from Cain. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, the book of Nod written by vampires. The book of Nod at, we're sure old Testament, like the book of Nod, like with the Bible. No, Nod, a book. They wrote it stupid. Did you read it? And I'm like, I, I own a couple copies. They're pretty cool as a prop. But that book is a work of fiction out of game. Mm-hmm. It's also a work of fiction in game because it's extrapolated stories of alleged data gathered, which is a fun way of saying, ah, we heard stories. They sound good. Here it is. But no one's from there. We don't know. Right. We have no fucking idea if it's right or wrong, but it's the working body that we're going with. And it's the one we're going to say, well, enough of us think it's true. So it's got to be right. Well, is it? And then they leave it open. They leave it wide open for you to tell your game, your story. And if it is or isn't. Most people go with it because, like, there's the black hen, Kane's chosen, high, noticed overtones. But again, mm-hmm. we're still in the area of the Sabbat, right? right. There's the there's the uh, path of Nod or whatever, and then uh, the Nodis, and then okay, we're still in the same book, so that doesn't change. There's the Paharis, and well, they almost affirm it. Okay, so there's that too. But you get what's going on here that it's different. It's a it's a never ending well that you can keep going back to to do it. But people will scream and die on the hill to tell you we descend from Cain because it was written in a book. Doesn't doesn't matter. They made a book of it. They made several, Jack, and you bought all of them. All right, sure. That's how you see it. I don't necessarily believe it's true. I don't necessarily think it's false. I just do what every other every other person should do. It's fun. Let's tell stories yeah. from it. Right. That's that's it. <laughs> and uh, and that's how you should treat all this material, to be honest. But mm-hmm. some more diehard than others. I digress. When we get to this Requiem book and we talk about coteries, I'm going to give my honest opinion up front. I felt I wasted my money. Mm hmm. Right, right when I bought it and I read it, I was like, "What the f- is this? There's nothing in here to give me something even to bite on." I mean, the they're clearly coming out with their version of uh, the Ordo books, right? So it doesn't even give you deep knowledge of the Ordos in here. It it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you merits, flaws, no way to be, no new background, no new power, not nothing. It's just like it's a coterie book, and it's it's what's it supposed to talk about? And then I sat back and went, when I read that book, I wanted it to be like when back in the day when when you had the base vampire book. And like every month, White Wolf would release the new hotness. That new hotness would hit the shelf and you would rush to the store. There was no Amazon. You weren't able to reserve it. They were only getting 
a few copies and they hated a reserve list in my neighborhood because the gaming store was rough. They'd be brutal. So it was first come, first serve, and we don't know how it's going to take. We're only going to have three copies. Strangely, whenever I went there, they had 40. <laughs> right? Whenever it came out, there was 40. But I would go there every paycheck and I'd be like, cool. Buy, but the news gotten and I go back. Why? I had a LARP to feed. I had people to take care of. I had gamers. Mm-hmm. I had demand. I had players. I had. I didn't have the privilege most players have, which they get to sit back and claim, I have a wealth of knowledge because this is what I'm interested in. I get to buy it. I was the ST. And I had this every time I sat down in game. And after you have this enough, you're going to understand why I got this Coteries book. Um, you sit down at the table and you go to run your normal game. Right? Everybody waited all week. Here's the game. You talk to everybody in downtime. Everybody's excited. You get here. And then someone comes to the game with a new book. And they sit down. And then they hand you a note. And you look at it, they go, I want this merit out of this book. It's on page yeah. so. I'm willing to lend you my book to read it now so that you could see if it's available and I could do it. And, and every time I did it, it was like, okay, sure. And brought it over. And then they put that pressure on you. They uh-huh. wouldn't spend their hard earned money on a book clearly written for the game. And they're treating that like it's canon. Like it has to be included. You can't say no. And you couldn't. Cause why? I watched other games. Any ST that said no to a player brought the new hotness. That wasn't a good ST. Mm. Get how that works. Mm, I, I, I can see how that impression has started. Yeah, but I, I personally disagree. I disagree on that. I think you, there are, <clears throat> I think not everything that's published is like, hell, like this book even says, like out the gate, not everything that's out there is for this game. If you're trying to tell this kind of story, you know, story A of, of like, uh, Lobi Invictus rising through the ranks, well, you know, that Kruak. Uh, ritual that you found in like the the other side book that's probably not going to be a good fit here because that's not what we're doing here yep exactly i'm glad you brought it up do you see the difference of the world Mm -hmm. when they started out grassroots they're they're pulling magic out of the air and they're throwing it in a book and people say it's amazing i've done reviews of the old school books right i'm asked this a lot why is requiem better you don't need to ask that question if you've listened to the podcast or if you own the books read them read them Look at the difference. When they came out of nothing and were still making something of themselves, you, you're you not anybody until enough people say you are. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. You're not anybody until enough people say you are. I, I, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, okay. reputation. Yes. So I want you to imagine the origins of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Here we are, sitting in a garage. I'm coming up with a crazy idea. I'm Mark Reinhagen. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't D&D cool? Wouldn't it be cool if we could be werewolves, mummies, vampires, wraiths, and other stuff? And everybody's like, uh, dude, you should put that in a book. Yeah, what would <laughs> that look like? I don't know. I got some ideas. I got some ideas. In between our D&D campaign, we'll figure it out. And I'm pretty certain that's how it went. And then they sat down, got diligent, made a book. It's all what happened. And here we are. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, everything, when that book took off, they couldn't miss. Right? They couldn't miss because it was, it was different. It was vastly different than when everybody else has played. It's pointing in some different directions to go in and romanticizing and extrapolating on everything Dungeons & Dragons had done. D&D gave you a coterie. It's called a party. Mm-hmm. everybody had an assigned job it's called a class they had different variations of and everything computations and whatnot but what did they realize too many rules mm-hmm. you're getting a niche group of people who like that type of play but there's a bunch of people who don't want to take the time they want to sit down and have fun they're not interested in all that but they need to be interested enough to make a character that's not dumb to have fun with it right well how yeah, do you do that right. and when you when they saw that it became a thing of okay well let's make it close to life modern Mm-hmm. Right. That's what the base book was. Everybody knows that. But now let's add what's fun to be a vampire. Who doesn't know Bram Stoker by now in this day and age? <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? It's like everybody knows what it is. I don't even have to explain it. You know what it is. Boom, pow, bing. Here's some rules. Here's some stats. Here's some stuff. We hope it works. That didn't work. People didn't like it. But well, how do we change it? You know, and I, I could literally riff on the renditions of the company, how they had to go to it. Not because I'm making fun of them. That's how any company is from the grassroots coming up. Mm-hmm. Now, that effort is going to look like shit compared to the real effort they put forth. Mm. Requiem is that real effort. Requiem is where all that effort comes in. So what I'm saying is where I'm looking old school eyes and I go, that Coterie's book, I read it back in the day with Bob eyes. I'm an ST. Do I need this as an ST? Coterie? No, not at all. I don't need it whatsoever. That's not, that's not what I needed. However, let me pump the brakes. As a player, ah, son of a bitch, I'm in a Requiem game right now. And we're, we're on the line. We're all on the line. Mm-hmm. That to kind of go over that. Is there a book written where it talks about what an underlying coterie might be like, right? Because it's one thing to know, but I am that guy. I'm so inundated and used to, if it's not in a book, nobody cares. <laughs> it's not real, right? But not because I believe that, 
I have to combat that opinion and be prepared to, to, to handle how to adjudicate and kind of meld and mesh with everybody. That's everybody still. How do I do that? And so I have you two. Now I'm sitting here with this book and off the bat, the first chapter talks about something I would say is uber controversial in, uh, in Chronicles, right? It's a mixed coterie. Oh yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. I, when you think of it, how the hell would you have someone in the Ordo and then Lankea and then the Invictus and then the Unaligned Carthian? We're all in a coterie. Mm-hmm. Like each individual person can all be in a different thing. Talk to me about that. So uh, I'll, I'll kick that off. the The biggest thing I think um, the bi- the biggest barrier to that happening is that people have the the I think it's actually an assumption that if you're a member of a code of a covenant, you hate all other covenant members, or it's only about your covenant, and that's true of the fanatics any group is always going to have yep. fanatical members Lankea, circle even invictus and especially Carth, right but the the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people are, are not fanatic right like uh I, i've got i've got friends that are democrats and friends that are republicans we can still hang out and talk we don't hate each other and i that's a real world example uh, let me knock that to the side okay. though real world example you're humans all right, right? that's fair there that's are laws fair. and the reason why you're able to interchange is because you got assholes like trump <laughs> right trump made everybody sit in the same pool and go what the fuck are we doing with our presidency right what are we doing everybody go vote on something mm-hmm. right figure it out we don't even care what it is let's talk in a bar no shut up where's your vote date you got your card get get over and vote you're throwing them outside right make it happen mm-hmm. uh, because we saw what happens when you don't that's why that kind of doesn't work but in a fun way i get your point mm-hmm. but why we have to make that difference is because when you said fanatic the Ordo has something I read, I remember, I'm coming off a memory here, called an axe, I believe, a type of protector. Order of the right? axe, yes. Right? So those, they're hardcore. Mm-hmm. And, and part of a cult, to, to go off of what you were saying, how does that cult member sit side to side with someone they're juxtaposed or even hunted by? Like, I know I have a member of the Lance sitting in my coterie as well, but yet we're a coterie. How, how are we going to play that out? That's a that's a good question. I like that. Um, there, there. I can think a couple of ways just off the top of my head that could work. Because number one, Ordo, Ordo is a secret society, right? If you are an Ordo member, that Lankea member that's in your coterie is not most likely not going to know that you're an Ordo member. Now, why would you be in a coterie to begin with? Well, every coter, coteries don't just exist, right? They're not just around. They all, every one of them, have a specific purpose as to what they are doing. And so if you are with that coterie, you know, undercover, it's just to meet that objective, whether you're a spy or whether you are with this Lankaean like archivist, because you're trying to research something in the city and you know they're on the lead to it. So what you're saying there tells me that Requiem understands that uh, the majority of vampire players look to backstab or to have that element of manipulation, right? Because they make a distinction in this book to say, just because we're all sitting at the table, not a game we're friends, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can have loyalty to each other. But don't you dare trust. Exactly. Exactly. I, I right. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. Right. A lot of people right now are thinking, well, how how do you trust someone and not? I have loyalty to someone, but don't trust them. Why do I be loyal to someone I don't trust? You have reasons. You have shared interest. You have reasons for survival. You got put there just because you're under the gun. Prince says you five got to go ahead and get together. You don't question what the prince's demands are. You got to you got to get along to get along while you have the opportunity to do so. Just because you work with someone doesn't mean you have to like them either. And that's 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 an interesting take. Because that tells me it's selfish self-interest, and it's DJ. I see Brentron still chewing on it, trying to figure it out. And I'm over here on the fence going, okay, I see that self-interest, but that self-interest means I killed DJ first. <laughs> right? Do you see what I'm saying? I sit down at the table and know that's how he is. Then, he, But he knows I'm sharpening the knife. Mm-hmm. I'm in the corner. All right, DJ, what's next? What are we doing tonight? You going to put down a knife, Bob? Got to keep it sharp. Never know when I need it. <laughs> you don't need it, man. We're friends, are we? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, tonight I got an order meeting. You know how it is. Praise be to God and all. It's not God. It's Longinus. Yeah, but, you know, he stabbed Jesus in the side and shit. So, you know, kind of got to give it up. Big ups, JC, you know? And then and then, and there's there's DJ going, okay, cool. Don't tell Bob I'm actually crone. He thinks I'm Ordo. I'm actually crone. Okay. He would really stab me if he knew. That, that's a type of tension uh-huh. in the group that's interesting because is it not a game? The point of us sitting down going, we three friends sat down to play the same game. And so we're built this coterie together. You already know what I'm playing. I already know what you're playing, but now we got to yep. pretend in game. We don't know. And that's the fun. And that actually adds a lot of flavor um, to the game itself. So to be clear, you know, one of the bigger things about this is like, why code? This is, I, I got to interject because this is, this is important for our, our audience. Why coteries as the first book released after the core book, it could have been any other book 
except for Coteries. But yeah, Coteries was the first thing that was released. And it's for a couple of reasons. My primary reason of thinking is when you're playing, you know, Masquerade, you're taking a look at it from perspective of Sabat Camera. All right, you have an idea of what your Coterie, quote unquote, should look like. But when you have so many options and you're given the freedom to think, you're given the freedom to build accordingly, of course, some people are going to want to go all over the place. Or like, what would a specific type of Carthian, uh, Ordo, Lankea, et cetera, would look like? This is the reason why. Because everyone knows when they're coming to the table, it's for exact reason. It's also written here in our sidebars where it tells you, hey, you could get together and this is how we're going to make things happen. You know, we're going to be able to, to say to each other, I want to build this type of character, this type of character. Why are we together? That, that's almost like session zero. You would almost think this would be a session zero in any other game, but it's mm-hmm. important to knock it out here because it's so fresh and so new for newer players coming in. And so that's the base foundation. We know what type of dastardly creatures we're going to play. You know, I'm hoping at one point Bob does stab me. And when it does, it's going to be a beautiful death. But we all saw it coming, <laughs> right? And it was going to be an awesome coterie because we got together for a specific reason. Or there's a, there's a thing where people or can, I mean, folks like to think this only happens in live action. Someone gets bored of a character. And they talk to their buddy, and they talk of a way they want to die, and they want their buddy to kill him. Mm-hmm. Right? I want you to write me out. Some STs frown upon that. That's why I say never tell your ST you're doing it. Right? You build it up. That's between you and your buddy. And if that's what he wants is a swan song for a good death, then write that story. Nothing. Nothing's wrong with that. Actually, it's your. Hey, it's your world. You're the squirrel. Get you nut. Right? That's that's it. And uh, and and figure it out. Why would you do that? Well, Requiem actually opens my eyes to this book. Did like if our coterie's built to an objective, and I put a dark secret or a fate or something like that into my character. And I have a player. Everybody does this. Someone sitting at the table has a very dramatic and powerful scene, and it and it rocks them back. Mm-hmm. And when they do it, they go back to the quarter to ask for help, and they reveal too much information, far too much. And then someone figures it out. They know what they're here for, right? And once that happens, they're like, okay, well, that yeah, that guy DJ had a moment out of game. I'm not going to be that shitty. I'm not going to, you know, because if he had his wits about him, he wouldn't have been like that. I don't want to catch him when he's off guard. I'll just, you know, we'll we'll, we'll apply it to a different style. Blah, 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 move on. Everyone's done that. I don't think anyone should do that. I think personally, if they came to you in a moment where they were triggered or, or the situation is, is that they're, they're a shell shook, they came to you on bended knee because they needed help. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. You make that a role play moment. If now you know who they are, you enhance that scene, forge those bonds or draw that line in the sand or take your advantage. Uh, reason being, that's, that's how the game's played. That's supposed to be fun as well. You know, you should subjugate your own fun. But if you are polite and you just, I refuse to betray the party. I play with them in Vampire, and I play with them in D&D, and we're not about to start having disloyal people. Hmm, all right, this book addresses that. When we're talking about a mismatch coterie, well, that's not for that person. No. Right? If it's mismatch, okay. But wait a second, Bob. What if for the same clan? Oh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good question you bring up, and that is one of the things they cover in this. And I, I really like how they address it off the bat, and it's that uh, same clan coteries aren't, aren't the norm, and they rarely work. Reason being is it's because, like, It's the same reason why, like, I'm not, I don't, (laughs) I guess to use another real world example, uh, it's the reason why I don't play tabletop games with cousins, right? You can't choose who your family is. Yeah, there's a blood connection there, but there is a, um, there is a, uh, I I see Bob is laughing at me at saying that, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, (laughs) There is, just because you're related to someone does not mean you're going to have the same goals, the same aspirations, the same values as people. So picking, uh, creating coteries based off of those clans the unless they're for very narrowly specific reasons they're they're not going to last because those interests those goals are going to differ and go different ways especially if it's a a a same clan coterie of mixed covenant members what does that also tell you though tell me it means that clan loyalty in this version of the game is not absolute we don't Mm -hmm. have huge broods of nosferatu running around going like nosferatu fugly up (laughs) <laughs> and they all line up, right? Or like, or like Bruja, just like, all right, let's go. But I'm saying what it does, it makes that distinction and specifically mentions it being rare because he's right. You know, just because you're embraced into a clan doesn't mean that all clans are lockstep into that, into that same type of mentality. You're going to find if anything at all, it will be, it's rare, but it'd be fun to role play it out because then you'll start seeing the conflict. They're mm-hmm. like, wait, you're Nosferatu, I'm Nosferatu too, aren't we? Nah, bro, I don't know you like that. And then that'll create something. Well, what's what's messed up about Requiem, not messed up in a bad way, what's what's really interesting, I'll use that term, is that if you were the same clan, you're bound to have a blood tie somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's going to make it even more intriguing, even more strange, right? Like, who made you, and I didn't know who made me, oh, well, you're related, we're related, right? Super cool prince, I'm I'm rag, ragged out, Carthian, Hellraiser, I come walking and screw the prince, and then I feel that connection, and the prince looks at me, 
and then he immediately looks at his would-be wife, Seneschal, whatever, and then she looks down and uh, looks to the sheriff, and the sheriff <laughs> taps the hound, and the hound looks to me, and I look to the prince, but through the blood, I could feel a sense of swelling pride. Who would be the one person to stand up to me but my own blood, thinks the prince. Only my blood would have the strength to defy me. I don't want this one dead. But the hound's already been tapped. I'm not paying attention because I'm the prince. That rabble rouser just cracks his knuckles, bows his head slightly to the prince, and his whole faction, whoa, what? Weren't you raising hell walking in here? <laughs> Things have changed. And then walks out. And then the prince just looks, nods his head, and the seneschal's now angered, embarrassed. How, how dare I? The harpies caught it. The harpies want to know, what was that about? Why'd the hound go marching off? Oh, I wonder what he's doing. And then the seneschal's got to pretend, and this whole new game developed on the inside, all because they're the same clan. Blood ties could be there. You couldn't pull that off in a coterie. Not well, I think. Well, here's a scenario I'd want to do. A whole clan, all in a coterie, all having a blood tie, but I want the Clampets. What? I want a, <laughs> I want a, I want a southern family of, like, you know, in the boonies, barefoot, slacks, hanging out, living life their way, because I think they understand instinct far better than anyone else. They live off the land. They live in a harsh environment because of that, but it's made them tougher. And whatever made them enjoyed the fact that they're this way. And how might they run their neck of the woods, right? Get off my land. Get off my land has a whole different tone when we're all gangrel. Yeah. I, and I we're feel all related. As though, I feel as though you've read the gangrel book and you found that bloodline that you really like. What are you talking about? Because that exists. What, what? First off, don't ruin it. Okay. I'm in a moment. I'm in a moment of uniqueness. Don't ruin it. Okay. Uh, because, <laughs> because I enjoy the fact that with that blood tie in that coterie, it works because each other, they pick on each other. Mm hmm. There's a familial tie you could do there then, too, and that would be the loyalty and bond you're looking for. Nobody picks on me like my sister. <laughs> no, it's seriously, in real life, my sister reserves the sole right to cut me to the quick. She could verbally butcher me down to the core, which is why all she has to say is, and this is a quote, Bobby, look at me. Yeah, we good? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> That's when I know we've crossed the line, right? Because shit's going to get real. I, ain't gonna, oh, I don't want to deal with all that. I'm going to walk away. We're good, right? That's it. Why? Respect and love. We understand that line and it's forged. But that's the way it should be in a family-based coterie. However, we ain't blood here by sight. I'm going to sit down with a lot of people, play a game. I don't necessarily want to be family members with them. So this coterie book points out you're probably not. And everything you guys said holds valid, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways that could go bad. So you, the variety is the spice of life. Or, better said, let's make it succinct. You need to look at Requiem not as Vampire the Masquerade. Right. Right? That's what you got to do. Requiem is you're a vampire first. This is what you are now. You're a vampire. You have your Requiem. By happenstance, you're going to share blood with some creatures. Mm -hmm. And you happen to have clan. But by the way, there are so many variety, excuse me, so many varieties of bloodlines that are out there because people have lived their way. Exactly. They've, uh, they've gone about it their way and it's derived and traits and the blood's responded. We don't know why we could extrapolate forever, but that creativity is honored. In Requiem, why? You're still just a vampire, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter how far you want to get away from it, how cool you want to make a nuance, you're still just that. Now, that doesn't work in vampire, because remember, this is back to what I was saying. They literally made something out of nothing and decided it was popular and cool, and it caught on. Mm -hmm. And so now they're cool and popular because everyone says they're cool and popular. But really, the power rests in hands of the listeners right now. Rest in their hands to determine that's good or it's not. So, too... Does it rest in the hands of the players when they have a coterie and they're making it? How loyal you're going to be and your ties, everything's determined at the table at that session zero between those involved and who are playing. Mm -hmm. So if I know my play style of Brentron, it's diehard and loyal, no matter what. Out of game, I don't have to worry about people to my left and right. Okay. And then I got to look at Brentron. Well, I like a little mystery and I like a little backstabby, but not to hurt you or the coterie, but like I may kill your sire. Now that's going to hurt you but it's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Why would you kill my sire? Well, because I don't want to kill you. We just said we weren't going to hurt one another. You're in a coterie, whatever. But if your sire is a goody two shoes and what they have is too sweet for me to resist and I get to sweep in and I get to just Carthian right over that territory, <laughs> I'm on Carthian right over that territory. I'm on Carthian hardcore. You're welcome to it. You're in the same coterie. We got the same purpose. And after all, I owe you something for killing you, pappy. But you know, that's, that's what it's going to be. Is that doable? And you say, hell no, you don't do that to me. And it's, I don't want to play like that. All right. I'll think of another concept. I want to, you really sit around wanting to hurt each other. Bob doesn't, but I know people who do, right? They look for that reaction. They live 
to see the reaction of the players at the table mm-hmm. turn to some some type of way. People need to be more honest about that because you can't jump out and go, I'm going to screw you over. Isn't it great? No, later on, it's roll dice. I'm going to kill you. People get heated out of game. Shouts happen there. That's a bad mix. The Coteries book goes, hey, guys, what if we directed this energy? Right. You're going to be order of the Coron. Here's how they might do that. You want to be Carthian? Here's an idea of how they might do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to mix your Coterie? Here's another idea of how they might do that. And they lay all this out. It's literally a pedantic process to read, in my opinion. It's uh, but that's here's why. I'm coming from experience. I'm coming from having read something like this, actually having read this book already now twice. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm coming from. And the info in it wasn't shocking, wasn't revelatory. I've, I've had to apply it in various ways across various games I ran and with, with people. You know how to do this. However, this book wasn't written for me alone. There are many of you who are starting out who wonder how to get this done. Mm-hmm. I'm asked this. This is probably the most often asked question of me is, well, well the number one is, Bob, how do I build a character? I want to build a character like you see characters. I want to build that character. How do I do it? Okay. We'll talk about that. All right, cool. And there's, there's stuff in pods we got going for mm-hmm. that. Then the second one I'm asked is I'm always in a game and people turn against me or it doesn't go my way or I'm getting screwed over by the ST or it doesn't seem to be working out. Why? Why is that? And I often ask them, well, did you sit down with everybody and form a coterie? Like you had a session zero, you sat down and talked about it, your play style with their play style, what everybody was looking for. Yes. And you'll get this answer every time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that. We did it. We did that. Yes, sure didn't. Mm-hmm. But did you really? Oh, by the way, right. <laughs> that, that means, that means, eh, no, yeah. you didn't. You had a full-fledged character with background turned into the ST. And the ST went, oh, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I'll, I'll add stuff for this in my game. Go ahead. He's here. Hi. This is Brennan. His character's done. He's right here. And everyone else at the table going, so what'd you make? When that happens, we already know there's going to be problems down the road. Yeah. Right? Because they have no clue who this is in the STS, and it's actually a mistake of the ST. I've done this a lot, right? Where it's, oh man, great character made, everything's great. Okay, cool, playing this game. I've done that on Curse of Cain. It's only recently, actually, when I sat down and learned the uh, Nordic LARP mentality, which I find silly. I'll let that be known right now. I found it silly. Bring your emotion. We diceless roleplay. Ask permission to do things and see it granted. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how many games have you been to where you sat down with a group and it wasn't competitive to some degree? Mm. It, it, well, any game is going to be to to some degree, right? Even amongst the team, right? There, there's going to be something in there, and so like when a conflict occurs and you don't, you want something to happen, and the other person doesn't, how do you resolve that? There has to be some resolution, other than no resolution, because then no one's satisfied. I don't. If I am in a coterie with with DJ, uh, and DJ and I both want to be the sheriff. Right. And then we get into some fight, whether that's social, most likely political, right? Not actually physical. And I'm I lose that fight due to even if it just comes down to a bad die roll, I'm not going to be pissed at DJ or the storyteller, or even the dice. That's just how the story goes. Right. I would be much more happy. I, I, I can love a story where I lose. I can as long as it's a good story. Now, now you're on to the whole point of Nordic Lark. It's advanced. They're ahead of the game. They figured this mm. out. Right. You want to let dice determine an outcome, then you're asking the ST to tell you the story of why that seems cool. Mm. What if they're not as good as you two players who know your backgrounds and know this rivalry? You two want to be sheriff. You two want to have this fight. Do you want it to be that Brentron, who's not a fighter, he's just socially adept and, and mentally adept at investigating, which is why he wants to be sheriff. But DJ's powerhouse brings that fear. <laughs> Right. And out of nowhere and out of nowhere, it's a frenzy or whatever it is. Is he is you socially rebuke him? He frenzies and attacks you. That doesn't seem to be a fair outcome. But but magically you roll the dice and happenstance. He botches and you get that stake off at all. He's staked by the luck and graces of all that there is. Now, I think that's a shitty story. You mean to tell me a little pencil pusher? Oh, yeah, he's great with some thumb and has a few rituals and looked around. But his character's built to be an investigator and doesn't even have the brawl skill of 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 a of a common neonate. In fact, avoided it. It's not what he was made for. Mm-hmm. But DJ, who's been killing packs since it was going on style, jumps him. And because he's a bad roll knight, can't beat this guy. This doesn't make any sense. That's why there's a Nordic Lark method. Now, I've heard it, haven't done it, but to the to the distinct um umpteenth conversation I've had around it, it's been instead, you two would talk about that fight, right? And immediately you would look at stats and go, Well, absolutely, I'm gonna lose that when it goes physical if it goes there. Mm-hmm. But that's if you get angry. I got the social skill to have an outcome. You're not telling them what you're going to say. You guys are discussing the outcome. If it goes here, 
this will happen. If it goes there, this will happen. All right, now let's let's act in the scene and see where this goes. In advance, you determine the outcome of die rolls that would get in the way. And you ask permissions. Like, if it gets physical, um, do you mind if I kill you? I don't really want to die. That's fine. That's fair. But if it gets social, um, the moment you humiliate me is the moment my character's going to attack you. And then you're like, okay, well then, when that happens, if it happens, most likely it'll happen. I kind of enjoy the, <laughs> the banner. If I'm able to do it, and I get it done, then yeah, you're going to beat me. But then you go, well, let's make it interesting. Now, if it's LARP, you could say something like, grab me by the shirt, make it look like you're grabbing me by the throat, turn away, th- pick me up against the wall, whatever. Some other cool trick you could do it. But at tabletop, you can also state that you guys are going to verbally narrate it round around. Because mm-hmm. I heard a lot of people tell me, well, you can't really do it in table. Yes, you can. You can. Right? Storyteller can announce, okay, we're going to roll dice, but these two have already talked about it. So round one, what happens? I'm going to call him a, a witless coward. He's a, he wants to be sure he sucks. He can't even figure out who ruined that masquerade, blah, 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 breach over here on X, Y, and Z. And then because they talked about it, DJ just says off the bat, I'm going to pick him up by the throat and slam him repeatedly into the concrete right in front of the harpy who sired him. Uh. Ooh, that's impactful in front of the sire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see the sire do something. Blam. Blam, Brenton, what are you doing? It's called relenting. <laughs> He's like, why? I shouldn't have said what I said, but I said what I said. And then the ST gets to go, oh, holy shit. Well, I don't think your sire is just going to stand there and let that happen. He won't? Well, that doesn't involve us. We'll allow you to ST, please. Let's see where this goes, right? And then that's, and that's a style to do it. That's a lot more fun than just picking up a bunch of dice and relying happenstance, because if you know the characters involved in relationships, this can be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, but I also, can I can see that. And then that's another thing as to how it works out with coteries. This is like literally the same exact thing happens because when you're taking a look at it and how you're applying it to your coterie, whether it's mixed or focused, this has to get spoken about. Right. And it outlines mm-hmm. in the book, like what type of coterie you're aiming to be. And I think that's the first mm-hmm. thing that should probably end up happening so that you don't build a character that isn't there. Or as you start going through it, as it outlined before, what if you do have that mixed coterie with different types of covenants? You could discuss it. And there's even a line that specifically says that order and uh, that Ordo character versus that Lankea character, not going to be good. They're going to jab at each other all day, but they have an understanding as players to understand that we're doing this for for the, the, sheer, the sheer drama of it, because it's fun to role play. So long mm-hmm. as we know at the end that we're going to end up on this, perfect. And I think um, having those templates in there, just it's it's great. I don't know. I, I'm a, I gush over it because I keep thinking now. My mind's always thinking, so I'm always thinking of like new coteries to kind of build up on each other. So that was that's good. And if anything, that's that's where this book sings is to give you an idea of all the different options that you have available that you hand wave or assume or think this will will naturally get along because we're the players. Mm-hmm. It's the players versus the ST. That's that's the one thing this book debunks off the bat. In my opinion, it tells you that the players are empowered to discuss and should everything we've already talked about here. We won't beat that drum. But in terms of you bringing into light the unspoken, what you do is you're actually making like a codified law. That you can call each other out going over a line or that maybe, hey, we're getting too heated. We know we're supposed to get along, blah, 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 that sort of thing. And uh, that's the that's the goal you want to have enjoyment at the game. So if you're in a game where you're a player, things aren't going so hot, but you really can't even understand the other players in your coterie or why they're doing what they're doing. That's another big problem. If you don't take the time to learn what each other is about, of course, what they do is going to be confusing. Mm hmm. Or if you were listening to follow along and seeing what someone's doing, it gets real bad when you're like, I want to enjoy this scene more, but I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. It, has, it doesn't make sense to me. Your, your audience is also, uh, they're, they're trying to enjoy a scene, even if they're not in it, to understand why you're doing what you're doing or who you're talking to and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And where that happens in, in a tabletop easier also happens in LARP. It's the same thing. And this Requiem, it, brings, uh, it, it, op- it opens that discussion well. And it gives you that guiding binky uh, in the in the coterie book that you need uh, to help you out and have that discourse. Uh, but that's what I have on that. Uh, transitioning from that, though, since we talked about differences in coterie and makeup, and we agree that we should be here to work together mm-hmm. to some goal and agenda. Should you do? Do you think it goes well when a group understands? Hey, we want to play this game, but uh, I think we should not be the happy-go-lucky troop. Should not be the happy go lucky troop. I don't think I've ever seen one. I don't. What, what do you mean by that? So, hey guys, let's all agree to come together years from now to make sure the it clown doesn't come back to dairy. <laughs> <laughs> right? That group. Right? We're the losers club. Everybody in it together. Yeah. Fist put to center. Great. Doesn't matter. You're a Nasamator or he's a Bruja. 
It doesn't matter what we are, Deva, Gangrel, it doesn't matter. We're all the same. We're in it for each other against the ST. Ugh. Screw that guy, right? That's, that's the happy-go-lucky club. We're already, you know, here, let me tell you what's draining to a storyteller. That mentality. I don't care what game. That mentality makes it feel like every time you're going to run a game session, it's just ring the bell. These guys are going to get pissed when my dice decide they go down. Mm. Right? I'm the house, I'm the casino, and they're bringing in their gambling money. And they're going to be really upset when that new special power, they don't know how to use it. And they're going to let the dice dictate what they do with it. But we're going to spend more time worried about the mechanics than we are about the role playing usage of it. And okay, so they're against me. They want to go on objective. They want to beat this guy. I want them to beat this guy. But if I don't let them roll the dice to beat this guy and leave it up to random chance, then they're going to get pissed when they don't beat this guy. So how do I tell a story where they do get to beat this guy and they get to roll the dice? And that's every game session every time. Because if the happy-go-lucky coterie doesn't win, all it takes is one person. Nobody feels like it's a win. You ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have. I have absolutely. Um. Uh. So, sorry. The, how do you... You don't want that. So what you want... What I want, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in that coterie, right? I don't, I think no one here would, but like, um, uh, the, I think whenever, if I'm making a coterie with other people, I think we need to understand that if we go after this objective that we're all here to do and part of fail, failure is possible with that. And if it is failure, we make that fun, right? That we go along with it. We could be that Invictus coterie that is well oaked to protect an elder and then the elder is attacked by another person we consider to be an ally and we make that decision to not protect that elder. And then we have to deal with those consequences, right? The social censure for the Invictus. Why did we, uh, what are we doing now that that's over, right? Or you failed to protect that elder and then that elder got caught and now you have no oath, no reputation and what ends up happening with your coterie? Well, that becomes another (laughs) on the hunt. (laughs) Yeah, you failed. What What we're talking about is a very healthy mentality. It says it's very freeing for an ST, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an improv to role-playing, right? We all get that. Except we don't. What I'm referring to is the fact that a storyteller tells, tells the story, sure, but so do the players. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be storytelled to a logic, to a point. And when you get there, you pause to let the players participate and tell the story from where they're at, right? Their perspective. If we were doing an actual improv course, we'd all start off and we would pick a place or a theme or a thing we're doing, something, right? And it would be, uh, like, we would say, we're at a comedy club. Friend trying to go. And then he would go uh, for 30 seconds, whatever. And then we'd freeze. What happens next, DJ? And then DJ has to jump up and do that. And then we freeze again. And then I would have to go. And we're getting used to using our wit to tell a congruent, logical progression or hysterical story, but getting comfortable to that awkwardness of having to save the situation and somehow still make it entertaining. That's, that's improv. Does that sound like role-playing? Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it very much sounds like role play, right? What do you think initiative is? <laughs> it's not when it's not just it's not just when your turn comes up. It's also you should be thinking about how are you going to make your turn entertaining? Mm-hmm. What's the story for your character? Like, I think it's great when people are like, I just like to sit back and wait for the perfect opportunity to do my character. You're probably playing a mouth and that's fine or adventure, whatever. And in that scene, that's great. But what quirks or situation or statement? as the book points out, you're capable of doing round to round, adds to the scene. What are you adding to what's going on that makes it part of a scene worth watching? That should be the mentality every time. And when you have the comfort of a coterie to do that with, you are playing off of those characters. That's what you're doing. That's what it should be every time. So if you have rah-rah bully boy walking around knocking heads in, it's okay that somebody in the coterie comes in to play mom or dad to cool them out. And then that guy permits them to be cooled out. That drama that some people go, they're always killing time with it. Guess what? You built the coterie together. You know they're like that. You heard them say they're going to play it. You said it was okay. Yes. You know, you, you pay as your ticket. You take your chances. You take the ride. That's, that's how it works. You don't get to now naysay because you didn't have time in the limelight. Instead, while they're doing that, what are you doing mm-hmm. to, to, to play off that, to add to the scene, to make it worth your time while you're there? And that's really the exercise we all need to get in the habit of doing because you know what the ST is doing? Yes, I have a plot. Sure, there's a story. Yep, I'm reffing the scene, but I'm facilitating the scene. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to push you in a direction. Just the eyes are on you. It's your stage. What's happening? And that's where that's where the problem comes in for a lot of people who think um, the storytelling aspect is 
they tell a story and I interject when to fuck it up. That's it. My character has the ability to do this to this person, so I'm coming in to do that. And my character's coming in to investigate this because I want that and I'm looking for this discipline. I got the XP tonight. I want to get it. You know what I mean? When you think of when you think about those two different mindsets, what separates the two is the narrative told from their character. Your buy-in is their understanding of their role in the coterie. Their mm-hmm. understanding of the coterie, right? Each person helps portray and make a scene that the ST is trying to shine for that game session every single time. And I feel finally there's a book, this one, that does point that out to the power that players do have for the type of game they want to play, for the outcomes they're looking for, and the different themes that they want to portray and express and live through uh, when they have it. That's true. And this book also, like, not in every section as well, regardless of whether you're looking at it from a mixed coterie or one through the eyes of the covenant, each section does also provide a small uh, segment on the philosophy of how they overall act or would act. This is your guiding line if you ever feel like you're getting out of pocket with the type of character you made. Because let's be honest, even when we're taking a look at um, Masquerade and we're taking a look at an ambition, or I'm sorry, not ambition, a vert, uh, nature and demeanor, right? And we always had this conversation about like, you put it on a sheet of paper, you might at one point or not get like willpower, but it's really your, your, your anchor. And when you're taking a look at Coteries, that philosophy section, along with a couple of tenets, they do some other clever stuff. So I'll give you uh, one example. They, when you talk about the order, they have this uh, one type of character known as the confessor. Um, mm-hmm. who's there to make sure that if for whatever reason you're falling way too far off the line of humanity, maybe because you start understanding or progressing along the enlightenment of your uh, learning the coils of the dragon itself, that person gave up their ability to progress along the line to bring you back to baseline. So if you, and that's a, a perfect ST tool, right? But at least the the, the people in that coterie know you have a, an in-character reason to be brought back to center. You know, was, we all got together and then you have that one outlying player who goes like, I'm just going to ruin it for everyone or I'm going to go ahead and attack his sire. Not saying other people in general, but and then that person's there to bring it in. So they're, it, it's built in. This book is perfect for that because it does have those outs, the ways to bring people back to center in case they fall out of it. Um, along with that, if you did, then what are the consequences or what is the story that you're going to tell with your coterie? And every every covenant uh, has this built into it, along with uh, those that are mixed. It's a thing that's, that needs to happen for folks who can't envision it. And we we couldn't because we didn't make up the material, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel the uh, the authors extend uh, and add value to what you've already purchased in the base book. And that's that's a thing this book does fill for those who, who need to see that. And what else is in here? Now, why I say that and I ask it of you two is not that I don't know, but I'm trying to get out of here uh, enough on this pod to let folks know what this actually does do for them, right? What I'm saying is, is that there's pictures in here that allude to a lot. Like, they're you know, fun artwork always in a mm-hmm. book, right? Doesn't necessarily mean it's in this book. Like, it shows somebody... Using shadows, much like a Lasombra. Yeah. yeah, it does. Right? Does it relate to that anywhere in the book? Uh, to that to that exact power, no. But there's a, a way that could that could work, right? If I remember right, that's that's pretty circle of the crone heavy. Um, and uh, well, to to answer your question, I guess as to to what else is in there, we already d- discussed that it goes into covenants by every uh, coteries by every covenant section, right? But um. Uh, more than that, it uh, it goes into the philosophy of each. Like I think maybe DJ just uh, just pointed out to give you that that guiding light to what they're doing. But it but also the gives- art, Brentron, the art. How could you not forget the flower of Demeter? Oh that- oh yes, you're right. I I feel like I'm dumb now. Let me let me take a moment. You're, you're not dumb. Get- <laughs> you just it, it passed you by. It passed you by. Right, and that image right apparently wasn't as impactful it. for you, you as it. it was for me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So. You know, God. the artwork is awesome in there. Uh, one of the things as well for Arcane Bros, because there are things in there that, you know, outside of Coteries would help you out. There are a couple of new Kruak ones. One of them is definitely the Flower Demeter, and it's a level three Kruak ability where essentially you use a corpse and you feed it mortal blood up until it's ready. And when it does, it'll blossom from a corpse's body right off of the stock. And there's amazing properties. TLDR, it could it gives you the blush of life for per day. Um, you'll have to vomit it all back up later, and that's just gross and disgusting. But hey, there's a there's a price to pay for everything you do, especially when you're working with the crone. But it also inspires people. But yeah, like I mean, the art is there to give hints, so there are things that 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 do pertain to it. So now we're on to something. Now we're on to oh man, this book has the absolute necessity to help me understand what it is I'm playing in a coterie, and there's power benefits. There, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Um. I wonder why and who knew that. That's uh that's that's interesting, right? 
Um, I'm being completely sarcastic uh, on purpose. Um, guys, when I look at this book and I thought of Coteries, I wanted to hear your take. That's what we're doing most of the time uh-huh. to talk about it. And we've we've done that. We've hit we've hit the goal I wanted was to open the eyes as to why this book may not be for everyone, but for those who can't uh, see it on their own, need to to be guided to the water, so to speak. Enjoy and quench your thirst in this book. It has content in it. But even if you're that person who's like, I don't even know about Coteries, you want the powers, you want to know the cool, cool. You want that good, good? That's in here too. And amazingly, Bob, didn't you say in the beginning there wasn't? I certainly did. I do this frequently. If you're new to the podcast, you'll understand that I mess with Brennan and DJ quite a bit uh-huh. uh, when it comes to Requiem <laughs> on purpose because they know more than I do. And I like to say that. And I like to say that because do they? I let you decide. I let you listen and be and be that judge because we're all participating. I also want to highlight, um, I don't think the three of us know anything more than anyone else who owns the collection. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there aren't, there aren't people who pay attention, but there are people who don't care to go over it. Uh, they'd rather hear people talk about it, or it's one-sided when they read it and they're looking for different perspectives, and that's what we want. To do that, we got to make it a discussion. All three of us agreed that if we went from this book cover to cover going, and now the Carthians, and let's hear how they get together, yep. and here's what a Carthian does. Order of the Crown, they should have met on March 8th. We know it's International Women's Day, and Order of the Crone should have met to honor the crone, the matriarch, and oh, hey, the Lankea Sanctum. Don't forget this Sunday, Jesus comes back to get stabbed again by Longinus. Can't miss that. That's uh, that's going to be a hoot, and you know that that would be dull or entertaining. I now want to tell comical stories about that, but the uh, the point is the meat of it, why this book is here, and how to use this book uh, was more important, and you're going to find that here. And there's a chance you go, you're wrong. I fundamentally disagree with all three of you. And I'm going to let you know. We warrant that, too. That's the privilege of a podcast. You get to hear our arguments set in stone. And Not to even be honest argument. as well, like, to be honest, when we first read this book, we obviously read it as soon as it came out. And, of course, we shove it for a while. And every now and then we just make reference to it. Right. That normal gamer stuff. We're just going to throw it out there, focus, transparent as possible. You pick up the book, you read it the first time, you shove it for a while, and until you need that power, you'll come back to it. (laughs) But having read this again, what's awesome about it was I do remember the first time I read it, and especially coming in from Revised Edition, Masquerade, then going like, I have the core book, and now I have Coteries. And I was like, what am I doing with this book? How I I know it's Coteries. I put it away. And then given the opportunity, reading it now in retrospect, yet once again, there's a love for the book that it wasn't there before because there are nuances I just completely forgot. And I think for a lot of us who have been now 20 plus years for the most part, you know, for a healthy percentage of our audience who've been, you know, along with, with, with the ride, you could read this and get so much more out of it because you've been, and especially for our listeners, you've listened to us. You know that when we, we're passionate about it, there's a reason behind it. We invite you to, to at least read the book, give it a shot, uh, because there are nuggets of gold in there. Mm-hmm. And what I'll tell you, um, my favorite part about this book is actually the opening story. Absolutely. Um, we typically talk about that in that, but I wanted, like I said, I just wanted to talk. And uh, that's uh, that opening story gives you an idea of a Carthian group that actually reads like like a home game. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. For Joe, for Joe PQ anywhere. Right. Where they talk about how the Carthian group uh, are looking out for each other. And it's I believe it's it's the dragon. It's uh, the the Oro comes for them. Mm-hmm. Right. They've been at the same old, same old place feeding over the years. It's changed management's hands, whatever. They're hanging out the place. and They've been Carthian in this territory for a long time. And the sheriff's sick of them. Well, they found the right order to come in and mess with them, except they're like jokes on them. There's four of them. There's five of us. We're about to see what happens. But they end up getting the drop on one of them who isn't too good at escaping. And then as you read and further along and get it, maybe they didn't get the drop on them. Mm -hmm. And this was orchestrated because the group knew each other so well. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. And a little dumb luck and a well-told tale, they end up, uh, it, it goes well for them. And that's... That should be a clear-cut example of how a storyteller was like, oh, yeah, and the stake happens to bounce out of her chest. Ah, look at that. What luck. <laughs> Why? Uh, what are they going to do about it? Oh, she's going to call and tell people, I'm in the trunk. Don't worry. They got me. How did the people up front not hear Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know if you know this, folks. I've trapped people in a trunk before. All I think time. we've all had that group, right? <laughs> nah, we, used to, we used to pile people inside of, inside of vehicles and go places, right? Inevitably, there's we had a weird friend who was like, "All right, in the trunk." Okay. There's always the one, and he, and he, right, and he hops in the trunk, and everybody thinks he's, oh, it's so funny, and he hops in, and we're gonna drive to the lake, and the whole time, you know, he's driving along, he'll sing some weird songs, bang on it occasionally. People are stuffing snacks through a seat to get them to the back of the trunk, but I could hear everything he's saying. 
<laughs> right, we're driving. We got music going, and we'd hear, "Hey, you think we could stop? I got a pee." <laughs> yeah, sure, no, no problem. We'll pull away. Well, the guy in the trunk asked for something. He's in the trunk. Can you help him out? Right, you're gonna pull over. Thanks. I really had to pee. This is fun. But we were all looking at the gas station for when folks see that. You know, we go to the trunk, open it, and this guy hops out. <laughs> Dyed hair, look shot, hops out and goes running inside. And then the person behind the counter doesn't know whether they should call the police or not. <laughs> oh, what fun. We've done that. But here I am. I can I literally directly relate to the story. And I'm like, if you were on the phone having a conversation, I at least would hear a bit of mumbly peg is going on. Right? There'd be a why? Your trunk shouldn't mumble. Right? So there's a bit of there's a bit of ST I felt was like, well, let's ignore that. Why do I say that? It's not to pick up out the author. The author's telling a story. That's why events happen the way they mm-hmm. did. But when I got to that part and I heard it, I was like, somebody has been at the mercy of an ST before, giving an opportunity to improv a better way to go about. She could have just simply been dead. Where's the fun in that? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no drama right? there. That's the other end. But it tells you that. And I really felt that it was in the spirit of how a game might roll out. It was good for that. All right. You guys got anything else you would like to add? Uh, no, I think that sums it up pretty perfectly. Pretty perfectly, as they say, or at least well enough for me. Um, <laughs> folks, what are we, what, what's the next book we're going to? You laugh. I do care what people listen to, but it's literally a book about coteries. If you don't know how to be a player in a group by now, what the hell are you playing? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> next book up is Nomad. Now, that's an interesting title. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to elaborate? Oh, let me elaborate. Yeah, Retro, <laughs> elaborate, please. <laughs> folks, we love him. I swear he wasn't the one in the trunk. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. What do you mean? Oh, uh, it's it's. <laughs> Hold on, it's the uh, it's the a requiem book about well, uh, traveling, uh, traveling kindred, uh, the the incredible dangers as to what they would face when doing so. Uh, we've already talked about in the in the first book about or the core book rather about why kindred flock to cities, but what about those that don't? What about those that travel? Why why would they do that? And what do they run into while they're out? Some people like to play hard mode. Fun story. I'll tell you next time. I tricked a home game into using this Nomad book for the Anarch game. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. I wanted to play Ruckham so bad when I had this book in Reddit. I was so psyched about the Nomad book that I tried to talk him into playing, and they were like, not for me. Requiem's for Fooey. No. Mm, Won't do it. All right. How about we play an Anarch game? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Let's do that. And, uh, well, let's see some dice and then we'll figure it out. I care about the dice. We'll get into it later. But, uh, thanks folks for listening. Tune in next time. Uh, next week. In fact, uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brennan. We'll yeah, see you folks you, later. Bob. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of vampire, the masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years, VTM.com on Facebook at www dot facebook.com slash 25 years vtm or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com if you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade